can you give the Lord a hand praise and clap of praise this morning? Aren't you glad that he said you could go free this morning? Circumstance may have had you bound, sin may have had you bound, sickness, but he said, he said that you could still go free. Let's talk to him right now. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Lord, that you were willing to leave heaven. Lord, you were willing to lay it all aside and come take on humanity. Lord, to pay for my sins. Lord, to pay for my iniquities. Lord, to loose me and set me free. Lord, sin's curse was upon this earth, upon all humanity. Lord, it was all dying. Oh, Lord, but you wouldn't let it stay that way. You promised you'd send a redeemer. Lord, not only send a redeemer, but you took on flesh and you came and you loosed me. Lord, you loosed each and every one of us. And in this day, Lord, you continued the loosing. You loosed the seals. Lord, you revealed the word, Lord. And now there's a spoken word bride standing on this earth today. Lord, because you said it, you spoke it. And all that you say, Lord, will come to pass. But we thank you this morning. We ask you now to take this service, Lord. We feel your presence amongst us now. Lord, we're grateful for it. But now we ask, Lord, that you'll begin to work on each and every heart and each and every life, Lord. You see each and every need. Lord, you know what each one is going through. Lord, you know what is binding, what's troubling. Lord, what's tugging against them. Lord, I ask today that you break every one of those chains. Lord, I ask that you'll take my lips and anoint them. Lord, help me to speak this the way it was given, Lord. Help me to remove my thoughts and my ideas and step aside. And may it be delivered in a spirit of love, Lord. Lord, we love you so much. We ask you to take your word now break it to us. Lord, as we step aside now and allow you to speak, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. How wonderful is our God. If you'll open your Bibles with me today to Isaiah the 14th chapter and the 12th verse. Very familiar scripture that we read. Isaiah 14 and 12 says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? Now notice, you're fixing to see two aspects to this scripture. One of them is what Satan's plans are. And one of them is the reality of what happens. For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. And God says, yet thou shalt be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit. They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee saying, is this the man that made the earth to tremble that did shake the kingdoms? Amen. You may have your seats this morning. So we get directly into the word. Speak to you for a moment this morning on the final say. The final say. Here in the scripture we see that the greatest plan that Satan never had is thwarted. Despite his desires, despite what he says he's going to do and all these grand plans of how he's going to take over heaven and how he's going to be exalted and and above the clouds and all these things. 
He is completely and totally thwarted. And what you will find is that it's a theme that you can follow all the way down through the Bible. That whatever Satan plans to do, how he plans to ascend, the things that he plans out for your life, all of them come to naught. All of Satan's greatest plans come to naught. Listen, I'm going to go ahead and give you a little spoiler here at the beginning before we get going. Brother Joe, we win. We win today, church. Despite his plans, despite what he's been telling you all week, despite the struggles you may be going through, despite the world falling apart around us, church, we win. In the back of the book, it says we win. Anytime you're struggling, you don't know which way to turn, just take a look at the back of the book, and it says to him that overcometh, will I grant to sit with me in my throne as talking to you today, the overcomers, the bride of the Laodicean age. We win, church. We win this one. We got nothing to be down about. We can be happy. We can rejoice. We can shout because we're on the winning side. As we go, what we're going to find out is that the devil is not short on plans. The devil has got lots of plans. He's not short on things that he says he's going to do. Listen, and many times he's even successful in implementing a lot of these plans to a certain degree. What you'll find is, is there are certain powers that the devil has. Even the Bible would call him the prince of the power of the air. So that makes us think, you know, he can control the storms and do all these things. And he can stir up the atmospheres. But even in his greatest titles and his greatest powers, there is a chain on those powers. There is a limit to those powers. He stirred up the sea one day, but my God stood on the brow of the boat and said, peace, be still. A prophet in this day spoke to a storm and sent it back where it came from. So even his greatest powers have a chain chain on them this morning. And I'm looking at people that know how to grab a hold of that chain, that know how to pull him back in and say, devil, you've gone far enough. You've done enough in my family. You've brought enough torment. Your power today is being pulled on. It's being put in check because his powers have chains on them. They are not unlimited powers. And even though sometimes he is successful and and, and gets his plans carried out a little bit, Yet time and time again, even in situations where it seems like his plan may be working, even when it seems like this is certain victory for Satan, I want to go ahead and establish something you're going to hear me say a bunch today. Even when it looks like he's in control, he does not have the final say. He does not have the final say over your life. He doesn't have a final say over your eternal destination, over your children, over your health. He does not have the final say today. Sure, he's got plenty of plans. He's got plenty to say. But to a believer, the devil's word is never the final say. Revelation 3.14 says, And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith The amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning and the creation of God. Now, if you leave that up just a second, we're going to look at a couple of these words. The faithful. It said a person who shows themselves faithful in business transactions, the execution of commands, the discharge of official duties, one who is worthy of trust that can be relied on. Church, you can rely on this God. You can rely on this word. True, that which is not only the name and resemblance, but the real nature corresponding to the name. In every respect, corresponding to the idea signified by the name, real, true, genuine. 
opposite to what is imperfect, opposite to what is defective, opposite of what is frail, opposite of what is uncertain. He is true. He is voracious and he is sincere. Church, the word that is spoken in this Bible, the word that was brought to us by Malachi 4 in the message, it was spoken by one who is true. It is spoken by one who is faithful. It is something you can count on. It is something you can depend on. You can stake your soul upon it. And at the end of it, right there, it tells us these things saith the amen. That is the finality. He is the one with the final say. He is the one with the absolute control over your life. This is a God that you can trust. This word has been spoken by one who is worthy of our trust. One who is real. One who is genuine. And one who is true. Brother Branham says in the church age book, Revelation 314. These things saith the amen. The faithful and true witness. The beginning of the creation of God. My, isn't that the most wonderful description of the attributes of our lovely Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. These words just make me want to shout. They bring such a spirit of reality into my heart. Just reading them without even waiting for a thorough revelation of the spirit thrills me. Jesus is giving us this description of himself in relation to the last age. The days of grace are winding up. He has looked from the first century right down through the 20th. And he told us all things concerning these ages. Before he reveals the characteristics of the last age to us, he gives us one final look at his own gracious and supreme deity. This is the capstone revelation of himself. Jesus is the amen of God. Jesus is the so let it be of God. Amen stands for finality. It stands for approval. It stands for prevailing promise. It stands for unchanging promise. It stands for the seal of God. This is where I want us to anchor down at today. This is what I want to focus on today. That this word, this person of Jesus is someone we can trust. This is the only voice that is worth listening to in this day. In a world full of voices, in a world full of voices and everyone feeling like that they have a right to spout their opinion or that they have a need to spout their opinion. In a world full of people wanting you to hear what they have to say. There is only one who is the amen. There is only one worthy of your trust. There is only one worthy of listening to. There is only one who has the final say. Church, we live in an age of a million voices. We live in an age of voices and everybody has a platform on which to stand and proclaim their opinion and proclaim their thoughts. And they think that you should listen to them. Not only should you listen to them, but they feel like that you're supposed to agree with them. And if you don't agree with them, then of course you're some kind of bigot or something. You have to agree with everything that's being said. We live in a time where everyone feels like their opinions should be valued. Look, we have a whole generation trained because of social media that they're supposed to comment on everything. Did you know that you're allowed to scroll past stuff on social media and not comment? You don't have to say something about everything you don't agree with. That's allowed. It's funny because every generation before this generation was taught, keep your comments to yourself. Well, we threw that out the window. Everybody has a comment. Everybody has a say. 
Every generation uh, from this point, keep your comment to yourself, keep your comment. And all of a sudden it's let everybody know what you think. Say what you think. Let it out. Say what you think. Be yourself. Be yourself. Sometimes the voices that surround us are subtle voices that slowly work on us and begin to change the way we view things. But we find that the further we go, that the voices have become less and less subtle. They've gotten to the point where they're not hiding it anymore, church. You know, inside the gates of Sodom, they weren't shy about the lifestyle they lived. They didn't hide their intentions. They let it be known what they wanted to do. And now today, Sodom isn't a location, but Sodom is now a condition that the entire world finds itself in. And church, they're no longer hiding their intentions towards you. They're not hiding their intentions towards your children. They're not hiding their intentions towards what you believe. There is no truth to be found anywhere. They have established what is truth. They make no secret what their intentions are. And now the voice, the world is full of voices, full of pure evil, spewing the devil's propaganda. They not only voice that opinion, but you're supposed to agree with it. We live in an age where schools are now not necessarily places to get education, but a place to get indoctrination. Just this week, there was a big uproar at a school board meeting in Texas. When a mother's son or daughter, I can't remember which, had checked out some books from the school library. And brings it home and she's going through with and it was absolutely chock full of sexually explicit material. I'm not even just talking about kind of explicit. It was pornography. And so then this mother in Virginia gets concerned, well, what's going on at my school? So she goes to her son's school and begins to check out books. She just looks through the titles and sees some that are strikingly perverse, checks those out, and turns out they are homosexual pornographic books. She brings them to the school board meeting. This is on the, the news this week. And in front of the school board, she begins to read these books. They are squirming in their seats as they should be and telling her to sit down, be quiet. This is not the proper place to read such materials. But it's okay for your kids to check it out. They were all approved and put in a school library. Why? For the purpose of indoctrinating the kids. For the purpose of them having access to things that maybe you'd never let them have in the home. Look, you can't trust anybody anymore. And one of the members comes out. His name is Carl Frisch, a school board member who does not have any children and is a gay man. Who spends much of his energy on the school board focusing on gay and transgender issues rather than education. Seemed to defend the pornography and mock the concerned taxpayers on Twitter. Here's his quote. To be clear, nothing will disrupt our board's commitment to LGBTQIA+. Plus, they're running out of letters. <laughs> Nothing will disrupt our commitment to the LGBTQIA plus students, families, and staff. Nothing. This person declares you can't stop it. You can't stop what we're doing. Nothing is going to stop us from moving forward. And this is the voice of one given over to a reprobate mind. 
This is the voice of a generation of people who surround you, who, whose conscience have been seared by a hot iron. Who have been totally turned over and have given themselves to the enemy and they're spewing the devil's propaganda and they're saying you can't stop it. You can't stop it. That's okay. I don't want to stop it. But you can't stop me from serving my God and getting out of here. You can have this earth. You can have it because it's going to burn. That's the final say on the matter. It's going to be destroyed. But there's a bride who you can't stop. There's a bride who will not be put in check. Our powers won't be stopped. We're marching forward. I'm not looking left. I'm not looking right. I'm not listening to the voice. Voices of Laodicea. There is one voice, the final say, that's worth listening to in this hour. You know, evil is on every side. We are surrounded. It's darker now in the world than it's ever been. And more and more you hear people say, I just don't know what to believe anymore. You just don't know what to believe anymore. And they say this because there's no truth left in the world. They say this because there's no truth left in government. Fact. They say this because there's no truth in, in, in left in people who are supposed to be there looking out for our good. There's no truth left in schools anymore. And so I ask you, why are we looking for truth in those places? Why are we looking for our truth in those places? Well, we just don't know what to believe anymore. Well, quit looking for truth in news stories and Facebook memes and listening to Bob at the office. Well, Bob told me, I don't care what Bob told you. Did you see that Facebook meme that came out, the 37%, blah, 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 and this doctor and this doctor? Quit looking at those things. Quit getting caught down in those things. Quit letting those voices drown out the voice of truth. The voice of truth said you're healed. The voice of truth said you're saved. The voice of truth said he's coming back to take us in a rapture. And I'm starting to hear the sound of the wagon wheels rolling. The voice of truth is the only voice you need. Oh, I don't know what to believe anymore. I do. The amen of God. The word of God. This is what you can believe. Oh, it's getting so hard to distract. No, that's not true. The events and the developments in this age to me has made it easier to see truth than ever before. The darker it gets, the brighter this light shines. It's easier now. You're only confused because you're feeding on the voices. You only are confused and I, can't, I don't know what to believe because you're taking in voices. When this is the voice you hear, it's easy to know what to believe. It's easy to know where to stand. It's easier to see truth now than ever before. Because the darkness has gone off the rails. He is the amen. The final say. The faithful and the true. It's the only thing where truth lies. And we must make this our absolute. Brother Branham says he is the God of the amen. He never changes. What he does never changes. He says it and it stands fast. He does it and it is done forever. None can take away what he says or add to it. So let it be. Amen. So let it be. Aren't you glad that you serve that kind of a God? You can know exactly where you are with him at any time and at all times. He is the amen and he will not change. These things saith the amen. Oh, I like that. It means that whatever he said is final. It means that whatever he said to the first age, to the second age and to all ages about his own true church and about the false line is exactly right. And it won't change. 
It means that what he started out with in Genesis, he will finish in Revelation. He has to, for he is the amen. So let it be. Now we see again, while the devil hates the book of Genesis and Revelation, he hates the truth. He knows the truth will prevail. He knows what his end will be, how he fights that. But we are on the winning side. We, I mean the believers of this word only, are on the amen side. I love how he says the devil knows that truth will prevail. Church, if the devil knows, what about a people walking in that truth? What about a people that's supposed to be feeding on that word? Supposed to be taking in truth, taking in truth and casting out lies, casting out unbelief. If he knows, we know. We know. We know that we'll overcome. We know we can't be stopped. We know we'll rapture. We know we can have our children. We know his promises are true. We know today. Oh, how we should know. What a contrast this paints against the one who hates us. What a contrast to the one who's been whispering in your ear all week. Jesus goes to describe him in John 8 and 44. He was a murderer from the beginning. He abode not in the truth. Look, I know this is simple and I'm going to beat this to death. He can't tell the truth. Look, the devil talks to all of us. But Joe, just recently, I, I told you something the devil had been saying to me. The devil talks to all of us. Where I get, I wonder why when we know he's a liar and the truth isn't in him, while we give him the time of day to allow him to influence the way we feel, the way we think, and then even begin to give voice to his thoughts. But the devil said, well, yeah, that's what he does. But he is a liar and the truth is not even in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own for he is a liar and the father of it. Jesus points us all the way back to the beginning. He says he was a murderer from the beginning. He points back to where Satan began his plan and began his lies. It was all the way back in heaven. He became unhappy in his station, unhappy in the place and the position that he held. He became lifted up in himself and how wonderful that he was. The Bible says he was perfect in all his ways until iniquity was found. He was, probably the last time I ever described him this way, he was wonderful. And the problem with that was, though, he thought so too. Be careful how highly you think of yourself. You will find that people who think highly of themselves are usually the less, least content people in the world because they never can get other people or other things or life to match up to the point that they think they are. So they're never content with their station. And this is where we find the enemy. He becomes lifted up and he begins to preach and deceive in heaven. First of all, know this, that most of the greatest deceptions that ever happen to a Christian do not happen out in the world. Most of the time it happens through preaching. A slanted gospel, a watered down gospel, an intellectual gospel. And they began to become deceived or They don't have the power 
to face the enemy when he does come because all they have is an intellectual understanding. So he begins to preach and deceive in heaven. Let me warn you right now, young people and everyone else here listening, never give ear to the devil even for a moment. Because as much as we say that old dumb devil, that old stupid devil, and we run him down and things, he is the greatest deceiver the world has ever known. And sometimes, especially people who think highly of themselves and think themselves to be very intelligent, feel like they can look at things and, well, I can just let me look into it and see what they're talking about. Just let me have a look at this and let me look at the other side. And they feel like they can break it down. They feel like they're smart enough to withstand. And they feel like they can go onto the devil's ground and go, oh, I see what you're saying. Oh, yeah, that is a discrepancy right there. But and pretty soon those seeds begin to plant. Listen, if he was smart enough and wise enough and, and cunning enough to deceive the angels, if he's a good enough deceiver to make angels fall, don't think yourself too high that you want to debate with the devil. Don't debate with the devil. Don't dwell on the questions and the doubts that come and attack each one of us because they do. They attack each one of us. But you don't dwell on it and sit there and think about it. You take that thing. You take that thought. You rip it out and you cast it down to the place that it's supposed to be. You cast them down. You do not let them roost. Because as I've said, he is a skilled debater. He's loaded with knowledge. He is loaded with knowledge and so-called understanding. But at the very root of his knowledge and understanding is deceit. And death. Brother Branham would say, which it's all right to have wisdom. But if that wisdom is contrary, if the wisdom isn't correct wisdom from God, divine wisdom and becomes natural wisdom. I don't care how much science we have and what more and education. It's of the devil. I'll prove it to you. The Lord willing in a few minutes. It's of the devil. Civilization is of the devil. I just got through preaching on that. All culture and earth, all power of science and everything is of the devil. It's his gospel that he preached of knowledge in the Garden of Eden. And he has took that knowledge, perverted knowledge, contrary to the word, contrary to the will and plan of God. And now he's had 6,000 years to do exactly what God did, only in a perverted way. And he took the same amount of time to bring his own Eden in. Now he has gotten an Eden here on earth and it's filled with wisdom and knowledge. That was his gospel at the beginning. Knowledge, wisdom, science. Never did God ever cater to such. So with his intellectual gospel, he begins to preach and to deceive and to cause war in heaven. Brother Branham says this great first battle that was ever fought began in heaven when Michael and his angels fought against Lucifer and his angels. It first started. The first battle was in heaven. So sin did not originate on earth. It originated in heaven. And then it was thrown down from heavens, cast out of heavens to the earth, and it fell on human beings. Then the battle from angels become human battles. And Satan come to destroy God's creation. His entire purpose is to destroy God's creation. What God had created to be for himself, Satan come to destroy this. That's what his purpose was, was to destroy it. Then the battle began here on earth and began in us and has been raging ever since. So Satan begins to deceive and we find that he is cast out of heaven and he comes down to earth. And the minute he gets here, he's looking to destroy. He's looking to tear down. And even more so, he's looking for a way back in. He wants a position back. He wants an opportunity. Where is a weakness? Where is a place that I can take and steal someone else's position and be elevated into that place? And so he's looking for a way back in, an opportunity to once again be in heavenly places. 
and he targets man. He targets man in the garden. In the beginning, in chapter 1 of Genesis, we get the details of the creation of the earth. It's actually, as I reread this, chapters 1 and 2 this week, it's wonderful to hear the description of the Garden of Eden. To try to imagine what the perfection was like. Many times we think of perfection in the millennium and perfection in eternity and, and those things. But there was a time where there was perfection on the earth. And in chapters 1, it details the creation of the earth there in days 1 through 6. And it speaks of what was created and when and what order. And it talks about the master architect and of all life and all things as he laid everything exactly how he wanted it to be laid. Then in chapter 2, it says on the seventh day he rested. And then it describes different things, the river that would come out of Eden and then how it would split into four heads and how the earth was watered with a mist and how everything came to Adam to be named. And, and then we find later down the chapter that there was no helpmate for Adam and God puts Adam to sleep and he takes from his side a rib. And Adam proclaims, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And all is right with the world. God even looks at it and he proclaims, this is good. Because when God does something, he does it right. This is good. He looks at it. This is wonderful. It was exactly how he wanted it. And Satan the whole time is watching. He's looking for an opportunity, looking for a way in. He's scheming. He's looking for a weakness, an opportunity. And through the serpent, he begins to do exactly what he had done in heaven. He begins to preach. He begins to preach the same things that he had done in heaven. He begins to tell her things that maybe peak her curiosity. Things that maybe slant the word ever so slightly until questions begin to linger in her mind. Thoughts begin to linger that should have been cast out. Don't get it in your head that this was a one-time thing that she bumped into the serpent and he said this and she's like, oh, okay, I've been wrong all this time and then everything just happened. This was an ongoing thing. Meeting after meeting, sermon after sermon, slowly here, this point, that point. And things that she should have cast down. It makes you wonder how did he ever get to the point to where he was with Eve alone in the first place. He had gained a trust. He had deceived once again. And things that should have been cast down began to linger. They should have been cast out. You cannot let those thoughts linger in your mind. Even this morning, the things you're battling and the doubts and the worries and the fears and the COVID and the this. And what if this person gets it and what if you can't continue to dwell on what ifs. You can't continue to dwell on the thoughts and the doubts and let the fears come in because thoughts contrary to the word will attack you. Thoughts contrary to the word will come to your mind even in this service. And yet you have scriptural instructions on what you're supposed to do when those thoughts come into your mind. Casting down imagination and every hot thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. But Eve didn't do that. She stood and she listened and she had listened too long and she was caught in a snare. His thoughts had begun to linger and she began to reason and she began to wonder. Brother Brown says we know how the battle went. We know that Eve lost the battle because she relied upon her reasonings instead of her faith in God's word. Let's repeat that, he says. She relied upon her own reasonings instead of having faith in God's word. It reasoned out. Therefore, she broke from the front lines and the enemy rushed in and then death struck the world. He said, oh, surely 
See, there you come just that much. Surely you won't die. But God said you would. And that settles it. That broke the great tug of war and pulled the whole human race into death because Eve listened to reasoning against God's word. Now, it's a shame that she did it, but it's done past. Now, listen, but now we're still fortified and that link was made up in Christ Jesus. We know that God gave us our best defense just to trust his word. Brother Aaron, what do I do today with everything going on? I'm so torn up. My family's torn apart. How can I defend myself? Just trust his word. What can I do? Just trust the one who is true. Just trust the one who is faithful. Just trust the promises that he gave that they'll come to pass and put this word over your heart and trust this morning. That is the greatest defense. If Eve only would have realized that God's word is the final say, there is no debate to it. There is no reasoning to it. If she had just stood behind that word, knowing that regardless of what you see, regardless of what your senses declare, regardless of what you feel and who fell away and who did this and how many have died, regardless of that, his word is true. My God is faithful. My God is just. And I can trust him this morning. But she reasoned. And she fell. Genesis 3, 8, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord, from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. I believe many of us, if we're honest, have experienced a similar moment in our lives where you've stumbled Or maybe you've fallen. Or maybe when things just aren't where they're supposed to be with the Lord. And maybe he begins to move through a service. And he begins to call your name through the preaching of the word. And he directly calls you by dealing with things that you know are about you. That you know is your situation. And yet you hide from it. Or you reason with it. Or you put off dealing with it. I can specifically remember... July the 7th, 2013, and the old church sitting there in a situation knowing I needed more of God that the Holy Spirit was lacking in my life. Honest moment. And Brother Tim dealing with things and me sitting there knowing he was dealing with me. Not Brother Tim, the Holy Spirit. Knowing what was, and I was sitting there going, I know I'm lacking. I know I'm lacking. This ain't, something ain't right. I can go so long and then all of a sudden there's just horrible lukewarmness and then there's this desire for this and just something ain't right and I'm sitting there and I knew I was out of school the next week and I said you know what I'll go talk to brother Tim next week I'll sit down because this is a hard thing to do you go sit down it's your pastor and your father-in-law and you can sit down and be like my bad I mean I'm not trying to make light I didn't know what to say and you're sitting there letting that hold you in your seat Letting what a man may think or say hold you in your seat. This goes far beyond man or what anybody says or anybody's opinions. This is you and God. And I said, I'll go deal with this next week. Right there, the devil had me. Right there. And the closest I've ever come to hearing an audible voice in my life from the Holy Spirit said, but I'm here right now. I'm calling your name right now. 
I'm walking through this service right now calling you. Why are you hiding in the trees? Why won't you come out and face the music? You know you're not where you're at, but he's still calling your name. What grace this morning. He's saying, Adam, Adam, where are you? I still love you. I'm looking for you. Where's the fellowship we're supposed to have? Where are you hiding at this morning? He said, I'm here now. And before I could get a hold of myself and stop myself, I was on my way up to the front. And it was a life-changing moment for me. Oh, the devil don't talk to you no more. More than ever. You're not in a battle anymore. More than ever. It's harder than ever. But now there's something on the inside of me that raises up when the devil comes. And I say, I won't listen. I won't take it. I won't stand. I cast down imagination. I cast down temptation. I rise above those things because he called my name. Oh, don't hide from it this morning. If he's calling your name, just say, here I am. I'll face it. I'm here to accept the sacrifice. I'm here to let you deal with my heart. I'm here to let your word change me. Verse 9, And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? Fellowship had been broken. Satan's plan had worked. Man had fallen. Here was his entrance back into a place of authority. Here was a victory for the devil. Sin nature is now going to reign. Brother Brown would describe Eve, describe Eve leaning down on Adam's shoulder, tears streaming down their faces, the finality of it all weighing on them. Satan's celebrating. Since his casting out, this was his greatest moment, his greatest achievement. He's celebrating. He's already planning his next move. What am I going to do with this authority? How am I going to reign sin and death, sickness? And he's planning out all his evil. Reveling in what he perceives to be a great victory. There can be no fellowship now. Fellowship between God and man is broken. Only death can reign. And right here for the first time, we're going to learn something very important. Let Satan do his worst. Let him plan. Let him scheme. Let him tear down at your life. Let him tear down at your family. Let him bring sickness. Let him bring the fall. Let him bring whatever he wants to do. Let his plans be built up in his head to where he's going to ascend. What he's going to reign over in the congregation of the north. Let him do his worst. And God looks at it and says, no boy, you will not have the final say in this situation. You may have had a say, but this isn't the end. This isn't the end of it. Because he looks down through time and he says, you may have caused them to fall. You may have caused the chasm, but I'm coming to breach the chasm. I'm going to send a savior. You will not have the final say in this situation. He will never have the final say. Brother Branham says, look at it that now. I see his shoulder stooping around his big body. Here comes an old bloody sheepskin running down those big manly legs. Here comes blood. Tears dripping off his cheeks. Painting on the top of Eve's head as she leans over on his bosom. And little Eve crying, the tears patting down as it mixes with blood running down her bosom. It's a pitiful sight. What's the matter? Something's happened. They can cry now. They're mortal now. They're dying now. There you are. I can see God say, depart out of my presence. Oh, but he couldn't stand it. I can see Adam start walking away. And as he did, I can hear something going. 
What is it? Oh, bloody sheepskin flopping against his leg as he's going out. I can see God who covers space and time, who has no beginning or ending. I can see it all bottled down like a funnel coming down like this. One four little letter word, L-O-V-E. Oh, he couldn't see his children depart from him. Now, why? He had made the covenant conditional with Adam, but now he makes it unconditional. Said, I will put enmity between the woman's seed. Oh, and he'll bruise the serpent's head and so forth. He promised a savior. Satan's standing there thinking it's his great, greatest victory. He's relishing in this. He's watching this. I can see him even standing in a place where he can be seen just to torment, just to mock, just to laugh. Oh, you've fallen. Oh, you're a great garden. Oh, you put in this world so perfect and I still got one over on you, God. I still made him fall. That's fine because there's coming a time where God's going to look at him and say, that's okay because I put some in your garden, in your Eden, and I gave them the seal of the Holy Ghost and you couldn't make them fall. Maybe he fell, but I got one that's predestined not to fall. Oh, you may have laughed in, but who gets the last laugh? I got one that won't fall in your garden. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Woo. She will not fall. Because Satan won't have the final say. Woo, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Satan's sitting there tormenting, not even realizing that what he's witnessing, that innocent animal being slain, their nakedness being covered, not realizing what it was symbolizing. Not realizing that he's sitting there in what seemed to be his greatest victory. God is foreshadowing his greatest defeat. He's showing him right there while he's watching and too stupid to understand what's happening. I'm letting you know I'm coming. I'm coming and I'm going to crush your head. You may bruise this flesh. You may bruise their flesh from time to time. But you will be crushed under Jesus Christ. You will be crushed under this Redeemer. You will be crushed under this Savior. See, Satan... He had caused the fall, but he could, there was one thing he couldn't understand. One thing he didn't account for, Brother Joe, L-O-V-E. See, that's something that's foreign to him. So he couldn't take into account for that. Something he didn't think about. And God couldn't stand to see his children go. It began to well up in him. Oh, I will restore. I will restore back to this place. I will restore fellowship. I will bring you back home. I will bring you back to this place. My purpose will not be defeated. I have provided a substitute for now, but I'm telling you, I'm coming. I'm telling you, no matter how long it takes, no matter how bad things get, Adam's race may get backed into a corner. That's okay. Just know I'm coming. I'm telling you today, no matter how bad it seems, he said, I'm coming. He said, I'm coming. Oh, brother, and it's dark. Evil's all around. Just hold on. He's coming. And if he said he's coming, he's faithful. He's true. He's the amen. I'm telling you today, he's coming. And it sounds like he's knocking at the door even now. He may be coming for your heart. He may be coming for you today. Just accept it. He's coming. He said, I'm coming. He said, but I will come down because I'm going to have the final say in this matter. And they walked out. Promised a savior. Right there in that moment, he promised a redeemer. And when God says something, you can trust it. It is an absolute. It is sure. It is steadfast. 
you can anchor your soul right there because he is the final say. Brother Branham says an absolute. It's used many times. It's the last word. It's the amen. You hear people say absolutely. That's it. That's the last thing. It's unlimited. See, that's that takes from here on. There's nothing else in its way. It's the supreme. It's an ultimate. And an ultimate is when is when primarily an ultimate because you've reached the end. It's the ultimate because it's the amen, because that's all. That's what he is. The amen. See, he's got the last word to say. Aren't you glad he has the last word in your life? Aren't you glad that you serve a God that you can trust? Aren't you glad that what he said in the first age is still good today and still good tomorrow? Just like we've been hearing Hebrews 13, 8, he is the same. He's the same today. He will do the same things in this church service as he's done before. You can trust this God. He's unchangeable. He's unfallible. He is unfailing. That's how we overcome. We read it in a quote earlier. Brother Brown said, we're still fortified. God gave us the best defense to simply trust his word. Not only does he have the final say, he is the final say. It's more than just words, even though his word is good enough. His word is it, but he is the final say. He declares, I am the final say. He is the amen. And we must put our trust right there, no matter what. He is the beginning. He is the end. He knows my needs. And he knows everything. He knows my weakness. He knows how things need to go in order to mold me. So even when it looks like the devil's winning, God says all these things are working together for your good. And if we get to that point of trust, we can remove the what ifs. Because a Christian can't operate on what ifs. There's no room for what ifs in the Christian life. All right? We can't operate on what ifs. We can't operate on worries. We can't operate on fears. What if is not how a Christian lives. Right? God has the final say. Aaron, you're saying that a lot. I'm going to keep saying it a lot. It's the title and such. God is the final say. Trust in that. Rest in that. Listen. Let the word work. Let the word do what it says it will do. You've got to give it opportunity. You've got to give it space and time to do what it said it would do. Many times we back off because we feel like it's been too long. Too long for who? It wasn't too long for Abraham. It wasn't too long from when Isaiah prophesied that a virgin shall conceive. Until it actually happened. We can't back off of something. We have to allow the word to work. We have to give it space and time. We can't just always be rush, rush, rush. I need it now. We're in a microwave society. Uh, well, I prayed. Where's that? I prayed for a financial blessing, Joe. I checked my bank account this morning. It's the same. Dude, you ain't even went to work yet. Yeah. You can't check your account right after you pray. I'm just saying I mean, you can. Lord bless you. I hope it works out. (laughs) If it does, let me know. (laughs) No, he'll bless you. But you got to be willing to give it time and opportunity and space and be willing to work for it and do what God said do. All right. So we got to give it space. We give in and we move back off of promise when we don't see immediate results. But if the promise was given, stand there and don't move. 
it is as good as done. If he gave you a promise and he's given us all a lot of them, they are as good as done. If he gave you a promise over the pulpit, if he gave you a promise in the word by dropping something in your heart, I don't care where it came from. If it came from God, it is as good as done. Brother Branham would say he's talking about the, the cost of a loaf of bread. Now, I can be just as happy with the 25 cents as I can be with the loaf of bread because I've got the thing that buys the loaf of bread. And as soon as I get to the market, I've got a loaf of bread. And faith is the thing that brings my healing. And no matter how long it takes me to get to that place, no matter how long it takes me to get to that place, I've got the faith that's going to do it as soon as I get there. You get it? Now, I can be just as happy with the quarter as I can with the bread. And when down in your heart, you believe that God has healed you just as real as you believe you've got strength to walk out of that door or just as well as sight declares that this shirt is white. It's finished. There's nothing can take it away from you because it's gone beyond intellectual. It's gone to your heart. It's real faith. Now, going to get this loaf of bread. Now, listen, going to get your promise. I might have to go over briar patches. Down over bridges, I may have to cross streams up the hill, but all the time I'm going. I may be going through hard things, Brother Joe, but all the time I'm going. I may be beat down and struggling and barely walking, but all the time I'm going. I've got a promise. I've got the purchase and price. You have it yet? I'm going. And more importantly, he's on his way to me. As long as I hold on, the answer's on the way. He's coming this morning. He's coming to your house this morning. He's moving for you. You got the purchasing power. Oh, I'll be shouting with all my heart, holding up my 25 cents because I'm on my road for the bread. And if Christ reveals to me tonight that I'm healed, I can rejoice just as much as I can jump up and down on the floor. No matter whether I'm still crippled, whether I'm still sick, my head still hurts. What about it? I'm just as happy because I'm on my road with the purchase power. That's faith. Jesus said, have faith in God. Notice how vital. But now you say my faith is little. And I'm sure God will not notice my faith. It's too small. He said, if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds. You know, we're not supposed to ever say we have little faith. Brother Brown said, don't ever say that. But if you find yourself in a place where you feel that way, there's your scripture. But my faith is so tiny. Awesome. Move that mountain. I only have a little bitty bit of faith. Fantastic. What else you need? Move that mountain in your way. Put it to use. Quit talking about how small it is and put it to use. Use the faith that God has given you. He said, you're on your way. Jesus is on his way. Don't back off of it now. Don't take a step back. Now you've been promised it. Hold on to it. You've asked Jesus to move. Hold on to it. He's on the way. Don't step. Don't let that negative report make you take a step back. Don't fear that negative doctor's report. Don't walk back because you get bad news and go, oh, I thought, but, but, but I thought this was, listen, it reminds me of Jairus' daughter. You know, I love that story because it's actually within the story of Jairus' daughter that the woman with the blood issues healed. So it was Jairus' daughter's day. Somebody else said, no, I ain't going to let him pass me by. How many times we sit in church and say, oh, look at them getting blessed. Oh, it's their day. Hey, you can reach out and touch him too. It can be your day as well. Just reach out and touch him this morning. Mark 5 and 21. If we can look at that for a minute. We're going to look here. At, it says, and when Jesus was passed over again, 
by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there cometh out one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet, and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may, she may be healed, and she shall live. Continue on. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him, and they thronged him. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. Verse 29. And straightway the fountains of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, he turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, thou seest the multitude thronging thee and sayest thou who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. And the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. Now notice, God knows what to do to give you the faith you're going to need to believe for your miracle. You said this was for the woman. It was for the woman, but it was for Jairus. It was so he could see the hand of God work because watch what's fixing to happen to him. Jesus is on the way. Jesus is on the way to his house. Next verse. And he said unto her, daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of that plague. What a rejoicing moment. Jairus, what a rejoicing moment for him. If he could do that for her, what can he do for my daughter? And in that moment, here comes the doctor's report. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house a certain which said, thy daughter is dead. Just a moment ago, brother, she was at the point of death. We were going to heal her. We were going, brother, Jesus was going to lay hands on her. He was going to heal her. It was all going to be finished. But now that faith just took a blow. Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? Just let it go. Just back up off that promise. It's too late for you. Didn't you hear what the doctor said? Didn't you, didn't you hear what they said? She's dead. It's over. He healed others, but it's just not for you. He gave others the Holy Ghost, but just give up. It's not for you. Just quit trying. Just back off that promise. It's been too long. You waited too late. You didn't get to Jesus soon enough. Your child is too far gone. You should have believed more right when they left the church. It's too far gone. Have you heard the reports of how they're living? Have you heard the reports of what's going on? Next verse. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said unto the Jairus, be not afraid. What did the doctor tell you this week? Be not afraid. Oh, but I heard this. Be not afraid. Oh, but you don't know how long my sons and daughters. Be not afraid this morning. 
Jesus saying, that's not the final say. What that person just said is not the final say. I say to you, I'm on my way to your house. Be not afraid. Only believe this morning. Just hold on a little longer. Jesus is on the way to your house. Don't give up now. Don't turn around because of a negative report. He's coming to work a miracle even now. Verse 41. And he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talitha kume, which is being interpreted, damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the damsel rose and walked, for she was of the age of 12 years, and they were astonished with a great astonishment. You don't have to back off on one thing this morning. Doctor said, I got a week to live. That's just enough time for my God to do a miracle. You're going to be all right. You don't got to back off for nothing. Well, my son's done went here and he's done that. And you don't understand. My family fell away. Just hold on. You don't have to back off of one promise. You don't have to fear the negative. Don't back off now. Jesus is already on his way. You invited him. Just bring him on. Don't let him turn around now. You don't have to give in to one thing this morning. Just let the word work. Let the word do what the word said it would do. The amen is already moving on your your behalf. The faithful and the true one that gave the promise will back it up every time. If we'll just back up and let the word work. Let the word do what it said it will do. So many times the Jesus starts to move in a service, but oh, we've reached our time. Jesus, you got to go back now. Sorry, we didn't let you start moving earlier in the service, so we could have had. Just let him move. Let him work. Preachers, let the word do what the word said it would do. Well, he doesn't do that anymore. Those things were just for the prophet. Those things were just for the apostles. Those things were for a day gone by. That's the exact same line spirit that Brother Branham faced when he first went on the divine healing movement. But the word said he heals. The word said he saves. The word says he delivers. The word said that the works that I do shall you do also. The word said they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. The word said they shall speak with new tongues. The word said all these things. So you can spout your opinion. You can spout your ideas. You can spout whatever you want to say. But the word said we could have those things. And that is the final say. Your opinion doesn't matter. If you don't want those things and you want to sit there dry dead as a bump on a pickle, that's fine. But as for me, I want the spirit to move. I want to have what the word said I can have. I want to just step back and say, word, do what you do. Move, deliver, save, set free. Let the gifts of the spirit fall. I'm not going to stand in its way. I'm going to let the word work. Brother Branham says, Jesus plainly stated what a Christian was. These signs shall follow them that believe. See, what they would do, what the believing church would do, and him being God and the infinite, he said, heavens and earth will pass away, but my word will never fail. So it must ever remain that way. So what was your opinion again? It doesn't matter. Let the word work. Brother Branham says some of the ministers should be ashamed of ourselves as we keep our congregation below their privileges. The whole Christian church today is living thousands of miles below their God given privilege because of just so half asleep, dismal light. Take the promise. Believe it. God said so. That settles it forever. No matter how long it takes to materialize. 
Time doesn't mean nothing to God. It's his word that we take and we believe. There's a lot of challenges out there challenging you for the things that God promised. And it's time that we rise up and accept the challenge of the enemy. Because he is a liar. Because he is a bluff. And we serve the I am God who is the amen. Because of that, you can count on him to bring every word and every promise to pass. But just as sure as you can count on God bringing his promises to pass, you can also count on the devil having a say. Sure he does. He's just like Goliath. He's a boaster. He's a braggart. He's going to run his mouth and try to bring fear until you're willing to step out and shut him up. He's going to brag and he's going to boast as long as you fear his boast, then he's going to continue to do it. As long as you allow him to spew his lies, he's going to continue to do it. As long as you stay in your tent afraid to come out and fight him, he's going to stand out there on your land and keep you from your possession. He's going to rule your land. He's going to keep robbing you. He's going to do what he wants on your property as long as you fear him and let him say and let him have the final say. And the biggest thing, here's one, you can't just go around agreeing with him. I mean, I know we've told you not to argue with the devil, but that only goes so far. It's okay to tell him God's word. You can't just go around agreeing with him all the time. Well, you're no good. He's right. I'm no good. I'm just no good. I am a failure. You're a failure. I know I just said that. I'm a failure. Yeah, I'm just too much for you. You know what? I can't overcome Brother Joe. He's just too much for me. Well, quit loading his gun and then being surprised when he shoots you. Here you go, devil. Here you go. Go ahead. I can't believe you did that. You gave him the ammunition. Quit agreeing with the devil. Quit doing his work for him. Quit digging up your own past. Quit loading his guns for him. Look, it actually reminds me of a story in the Great Northern War. It was a war back in the 1700s. It's not one that many people study or know much about. And it was a war between Norway and Sweden. A bunch of other countries, but those are the ones that matter. All right? And it was a war between Norway and Sweden. And, and Norway had this very famous admiral. And he gave himself some big fancy um, long name because that's what people do that think a lot of themselves. But his real name, he was born Peter Jansen Whistle. And Peter Jansen Whistle was a daredevil, wonderful fighter, wonderful admiral. And he got into a naval skirmish with the Swedes. And uh, it lasted 14 hours, Brother Joe. These two giant frigates sailing around, shooting at each other, cannons flying, boards blowing up. Who knows? No need to describe all the things that probably went on from cannonballs being fired, but it wasn't good. And they fought for 14 hours. Both ships completely just uh, damaged and barely afloat. And Peter, I don't remember the rest of his name now, whistle. He ran out of ammunition. So he writes a big letter, or, or I don't think it was actually a letter. He actually, you know, they would actually hail the other ships. They put up a flag and he hails the other ship. He commends the other admiral on a, on a fantastic duel. He says, hey, you have done a wonderful job. This, this is fantastic. You've done good. I'd like to commend you on this duel and whatnot. But at this present moment, <clears throat> I have run out of ammunition, and I would like to know if I could borrow some of yours <laughs> so that we can continue this fight. 
They said no. <laughs> the devil comes at you and say, look, I need some stuff. I, I need to borrow some ammunition so I can shoot it back at you. It's time we look at him and go, are you stupid? No, I'm not giving you any ammunition. There's nothing you can shoot at me. It's all washed by the blood of the lamb. It's in the sea of God's forgetfulness. You can't have anything to shoot at me. I'm blood bought, blood washed, cleansed by the blood. You got nothing on me. I'm not about to give him something he can destroy me with. Just tell him no. So Peter Whistle said, sails up, anchor up, and they sailed away. Because when you resist the devil, he will flee from you. But if you keep giving him stuff to shoot at you, guess what? He'll keep shooting at you. Just tell him no. You can't have any. I'm not giving you any. Don't give the devil any ammunition. Back to Goliath for just a minute. They'd begun to agree with him and they began to believe that they couldn't win. That's why they weren't coming out the tents. That's why he was out there for 40 days. But one day David heard it. And David said, I'm not going to let him have the final say. I've got something to say to that guy. You can't just accept what the enemy says to be the truth. And David rejected what he heard. He didn't just accept it, although it stood to reason that Goliath was actually right. If we leaned on reasoning, Goliath was right. And that was the problem with the men in the tents. They've been reasoning. I'm 5'2". He's, how tall was Goliath, yeah. Bigger, he's taller than 5'2". I ain't going out there. You know how many people he's killed? You know how many people he's defeated? Yeah, all of them. That's why he's still there. Because had he lost, he would no longer exist. He was undefeated. And they were reasoning. And it stood to reason that David shouldn't go out there. But David didn't lean on his reasoning. He didn't look at that. He looked at the experiences. He knew what God had done for him in the past. He shouldn't have fought a bear, but he'd done it. He shouldn't have fought a lion, but he'd done it because God was with him. And he defeated them. And he knew he could defeat this one. Hey, I don't know what's facing you today. I don't know how big he is. I don't know how bad he is. I don't know who else he's killed. It may stand to reason that you shouldn't face him. But if you go in the name of the Lord, if you go recognizing that the one that has the final say is going with you and going before you, oh. He only had a slingshot. But Brother Branham said, God was with the slingshot. And he said, when he let that rock go, said the Holy Spirit got a hold of it. And it went about a thousand miles an hour and sunk right in his head. Just turn it loose this morning. Turn your faith loose a little bit. They let Goliath have the final say. They had allowed him to steal the supernatural from their services. They had allowed him to chalk up all the moving of the spirit as just emotion. Oh, here we are again, brother. Yeah, here we are again. We're going to deal with it again. As long as that devil's rearing his head, we got some chopping to do. I got a quote for you. I hope you like it. This is Brother Brown speaking as though he's David. I don't, I don't know about all your teaching and all your doctrines and all your, your doxologies and so forth. But what I know, but I do know is what the Holy Ghost is. The very thing that saved me back there will heal me. Hallelujah. God promised it and I believe it. Brethren, he reached down there. He got a hold of five little rocks as he crossed. That old fella just laughed at him and said, I'll feed you to the birds. He said, you meet me as a Philistine in the name of Philistines with an armor and a spear. But I meet you in the name of the Lord God of Israel. He knowed where he was standing. He reached down and picked up five little stones. Put one in the slingshot while old Goliath was covered all over with steel, all up and down like that. Just one little spot. This is where it gets real good. 
And here comes David across to meet him, a little bitty fella about like this, and Goliath about like that, standing there with a spear ready to pick him up, hang him up on a tree somewhere. Here come little David just a bouncing in the spirit. Ha ha, oh, what a holy roller. He had victory already. Hallelujah. Why, he placed the name of the Lord God of Israel before him. All devils in hell couldn't wait across that. Little David just a dancing in the spirit. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. It seems to me there's people who don't like dancing in the spirit. Well, you can take this next part up with your prophet. You say David was dancing? Oh, yeah, he was a dancer. One day the ark come in, his wife was sitting up there looking at him. He was a cute little fella and she was standing and here comes the ark across. David run down there and begin to run and dance and carry on. His wife said, you embarrass me. Oh, he said, you don't like that, huh? Watch this. And around and around and around and around the ark dancing. Hallelujah. That's right. Yes, sir. Said, watch this. And then, and then God looked down out of heaven and said, David, you're a man after my own heart. <sighs> what? God likes dancing. According to the prophet, he looked down at David dancing and said, you're a man after my own heart. So when you sit there in the seat of the scornful and go, look at all them dancers. Look at all them dancers. God's looking at one of y'all saying, you're a man after my own heart. I don't know what he's saying about you, though. That's a man after my own heart. Ha ha. Oh, glory. You're the very man after my own heart. Oh, little David was a dancer. And he went up there just to dancing in the spirit as hard as he could. Why? By faith, he saw the victory. Amen. He saw the victory. He took his little old sling in there, one of these stones, and he give a dance. And here he comes. Oh, I see Goliath saying, ho, ho, ho. I kept reading that and I couldn't. Every time I read it, I would think of Santa Claus. I, I couldn't. <laughs> Every time I had David charging after this fellow in a big red suit. And I was like, I'm sorry. Every time I read it, ho, ho, ho. I was like, well, down he goes. <laughs> Satan. What was it? He had five stones, F-A-I-T-H, in five fingers wrapped around this string, around J-E-S-U-S. Here he comes. Oh, brother, look out. Goliath, you've got to fall. And when he set that loose, the Holy Ghost got a hold of that little old stone, picked it up a speed about a thousand miles per second, struck that giant between the face, and he fell forward. Hallelujah. Oh, my. Like a little Jim Crow danced up there, jumped on him, pulled his sword out, chopped his head off, and said, How do you like that, boy? That's one of my favorite quotes in the message. Jumped up on top of him, kicked that devil down. You've been healed. You've been set free. He thought he had you chained. How do you like that, boy? How do you like me now? I'm free. I'm set free. I'm loose. I don't care what you think. How do you like me now, boy? Woo! How do you like me now? You didn't like that? Watch this. Hallelujah. He reached down, got him by the hair of his head, said, come on, boys, let's preach divine healing. And away they went. Hallelujah. And you know what they done? The rest of them seen it could be done. And they cut Philistines plumb to the wall. Glory down there. The old critics has got their mouths shut now. Hallelujah. He is the final say. He's the one. His opinion is the only one that matters. 
<laughs> Goliath said, it's all emotion. It won't keep them. That dancing and screaming's out of place. Well, you're right. It is out of place for somebody with no victory. Shoe fit and stuff. Wear it. There's plenty available. He's got one that'll fit you, I promise. You trying to get me to dance? Nope. Trying to get you out of the seat of the scornful. Don't be a critic. I don't want anybody to decide to dance. I don't want anybody to decide to run and shout out. I don't want that. Because then it's just you. You, I don't want that. I want you to be like Brother Branham was when he said, I didn't say nothing because I thought maybe they were right and I was wrong. And the next thing I knew, notice he didn't say, so I decided I probably ought to get up. No, the next thing I knew, I was out there dancing with her. Is everybody going to dance? Nope. But everyone can worship. And you may not know this, but this isn't worship. It's just not. You ever had somebody ask you, Brother Joe, where do you worship? Some of them couldn't say even like Tabernacle, but that'd be a lie. They go, church? I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be mean. It's just true. Y'all don't have to look at what I'm looking at. But I don't believe God's going to leave any of us in that situation because there is a pair of freedom shoes for each and every one of you. There is a point where you'll get to, I believe, with all my heart where those chains are going to fall off. And maybe it's just hands up. Maybe it's just an amen. Just, just hallelujah. That's fine. But whatever God calls you to do, I believe in each and every one of you you're going to get to that place. I believe we're going to get there. I'm, I'm not in any way trying to beat you over the head. I'm just saying if you don't understand it, hey, just rejoice for the people that are rejoicing. If it's not for you, that's fine. Be like that. Well, maybe they're on the way to Jairus' house this morning. But maybe you can say, Lord, don't pass me by. I want to reach out and touch you too. Just be willing. When people are worshiping, that's their victory. Don't pour rain on their parade. Let them have their victory. Let them worship. Let me skip some stuff. First Samuel 17, 47, 43, excuse me. Goliath tried to bluff David just like he did everybody else. He said, am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his, by his gods. And I'm skipping some stuff, so if you can keep up, that's fine. 44, come to me, and I will give thy flesh into the fowls of the air and to the beast of the field. Notice, like I said at the beginning, he's got plenty to say. He's got plenty of plans. He's not short on plans. He's not short of things to say. 1745, then said David to the Philistine, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into my hand, and I will smite thee, and I will take thy head from thee. Verse 47, and all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with the sword and the spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Wait, what's this? You think you're going to have the final say? You think you can scare me into submission? You think I'm going to go quietly into the night? You think I'm just going to sit down on my pew and not rejoice? No, no, no. This isn't my fight. This fight belongs to the Lord. He is the one that's going to have the final say. He is the one that's going to deliver you into my hands. The Lord will have the final say. I'm going to read through from 49 down through 53 just so, back to an earlier point, we can compare what the glass said was going to happen. 
what the devil says he's going to do to you, what his plans were in the book of Genesis, all these things he says and all these things he's going to do with the actual outcome of what happens. So starting in verse 49. And David put his hand in his bag and he took thence a stone and slung it and smote the Philistine in his forehead that the stone sunk into his, sunk into his forehead and he fell upon his face. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore, David ran and stood upon the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of the sheath thereof and slew him and cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. And the men of Israel and Judea, Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines. Listen, church, it only takes one. It takes one of you to get loose. It takes one of you to get free. And all those ones sitting there wondering, can I do it? Can I overcome? This is their verse. This is their verse. And the men of Israel and Judah rose and shouted and pursued the Philistines until they'll come to the valley, to the gates of Ekron. And the wounded of the Philistines fell down by the way to Sharam, even unto Gath and unto Ekron. And the children of Israel returned from chasing after the Philistines and they spoiled their tents. This is nothing like what Goliath said was going to happen. Matter of fact, it's total opposite. So we're dealing with opposites here. He says you're not going to make it. Hallelujah. He says you can't be healed. Hallelujah. He says you can't have your children. Hallelujah. What are you excited about? It's going to turn out just the opposite of what he said. I will be free. I am saved. I will rapture. I will have my children. They are my inheritance. I can have it all. It's going to be just the opposite of what he said it will be. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You give me just a few more minutes and we're going to close. Skip some of this. Brother Branham deals a lot with the enemy's plans. He may be telling you that he's going to take you to a premature grave. And that may be his plan. Hey, it's exactly what he said to Peter. He said, Peter, Satan has desired to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you. He said, I wish he'd have done that for me. He did. He goes on in another place and says, I pray for not only them, but for all them that are going to believe on me through their word. So he has prayed for you. He has interceded for you. He is moving on your behalf. That may be his plan. But when you realize his plan, that's when you must look at the ones who hold the one who holds the final say. Couple quotes. Brother Brown says, refuse to see anything contrary to his word. It's not so. Everything, like Jonah, they're lying vanities. I won't even see them. I won't recognize them. No, sir, I see what God said. I don't see the Amorites. Don't see the graveyard. Don't see these things. See the promise of God. God promised us it's up to God to take care of it. Yes, sir, now I know that death's got to strike everyone. Death comes to us all. But sometimes, just because of unbelief, we give up and go to a premature grave. God don't want us to do that. He wants us to trust him and believe him and say it so and stay with it. Sir, do you believe you're healed before you get here of that heart trouble? Right there. It happened right there. Ooh, I love that. While you were sitting there on the chair, just go believing now. Father, while faith is on the man and he knows he must now accept it, be sure that it leaves him. I curse this devil that would send him to a premature grave. May it come out of here and him and never bother him no more in Jesus' name. Now, my brother, of course you feel different now, see? It's gone from you. Your heart's pumping right again. Now, just keep believing that. Don't accept nothing else. Just keep believing that. Go on, and you'll just live right on. Hallelujah. Look to his word. He has the final say. 
Oh, I'm going to take you to a premature grave. Not today, Satan. Not today. I'm not looking to that. I'm not looking to that word. I'm not looking at the graveyard. I'm looking at the promise. I'm looking at the word. Let me find a place. Oh, goodness. Amen. Our God has the final say, doesn't he? You must be so frustrating to the enemy. You know, because the four of the foundation of the world, Brother Brown deals with it so much, how we were seed genes of God, we were in the mind of God. How frustrating it must be for him to come and invest so much time in you. To come and put so much time in you. And oh yeah, this is mine, and I got him, and he deals with you, and he whips you, and he makes you a slave, and he puts this scar on your life. And to think he has a say over your life for all these years. And he comes and he brings sin, and he scars you up, and he mars that life, and he buries it under much sin and much shame. And yet in a moment's time, in a moment's time, the Lord comes and says, no, that one's mine. What, what, what are you doing? Oh, you thought you had this one? Oh, no. Uh-uh. He's mine. Here we go. And it's over. And the devil is just standing there going, what? I had him. I had that one. I had scars on his life. I marked that one. And Jesus said, no, no, no. It's all forgotten. It's all over with. Oh, the devil tells you, oh, you've gone too far. You've passed your day of grace. I look at the thief on the cross. Think about how much time the devil invested in him. To the point that he's hanging on a cross in his last moment. How long did it take for all that to turn around? Remember me this day. Remember me this day. It was finished. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the demons that were waiting there to get him to deliver him to hell? And I'll say, wait, what? Are you kidding me? Just like that? Satan, you don't understand. We were there to get, where's he at? I sent you to get him. I went to get him. I went to get him. And there that Sunday morning, we was going to claim him forever. We was going to walk out of the church. He was going to leave bound forever. But in one moment's time, somebody else had a say on the situation. Somebody else said this day. Somebody else said on this day, I'll take your head off. Somebody else said, you can't have him. Hallelujah. He gets the final say. He gets the final say. Oh, hey, there's a lot of people here. If you're honest, you can look back at a time where he had a say in your life. Maybe you were bound. Maybe you were addicted. Maybe you could see no way out. But he said, I could still go free. He said, you could still go free. Look, you may still be sitting in that condition this morning, bound by what the devil has had to say. Scarred by the things that he has said in your life. Wounded by things that maybe you had no control over. Let me tell you right now, those things do not define you. Those things, those scars, that suicide, that depression, that is not who you are. That is not your name. Your name was written down on the Lamb's Book of Life before the foundation of the world. And Jesus looks at that and says, how dare you try to rename my children? They are not. They don't answer to it. Don't answer to depression. Don't claim things. Well, my depression, quit calling it your depression. It's not a puppy. It's not to be toyed with. It's not to be babied. It's not your name. It's not who you are. It is an enemy that has come against you. But there's one here that has come to loose you, that has come to set you free. Because one moment in his presence, look, the devil had done everything he could to the woman at the well. He had scarred her up. He had beat her up. He had gotten to the place where she couldn't go out in public. She was his. So he thought. He had done all he could. She was scarred, had a past that everyone knew. But one moment in that presence and her past became a testimony. Woo, 
one moment in that present, in that past, that she was so ashamed of, she could run into the city and said, hey, y'all know all that stuff I did? You know all that bad stuff? Come see a man. Come see a man that told me all about it. Let me tell you, he had me. He had me bound. Things I wouldn't even want to talk about. But I call to you this morning, come see a man. Come see a man who had another say over my life. Who said, I've got the final say over you. Come see a man this morning. He'll set you free. He'll lose you. Oh, she was thirsty, Brother Joe. Her desire for acceptance. Her desire for love. Look, it was an honest desire for love that had drove her to the place where she ended up. Wanted to be accepted. And so she went here. She went there. She went there. She was so thirsty. But every drink just left her a little more thirsty. A little more empty. But one day she met the thirst quencher. One day she met the one that said, if you drink this water, you'll never thirst again. Some of you today are so thirsty. Shows in your dress. Shows in the way you carry yourself. Shows in your attitude. Shows in your social media post. Not saying you're a bad person. I'm saying you're thirsty. You have a desire for people to love you, a desire to fit in, a desire to be accepted. Oh, I'm not thirsty. I don't care about people's accept. Oh, really? How many likes do I have? Fifty people like that. You're you're thirsty. How many followers do I have? How many followers? Duck lips. You're thirsty. You want someone to accept you. You want people to like. You want people to like. You want people to like. You want. We're supposed to be people that don't care what people like. And you've allowed that thirst to consume you. Listen, we all want to have friends. We all, sure, sure that's, that's normal. But what are you willing to do for that? How far are you willing to go for that? When there's one standing there right now this morning going, I'll be your friend. I'll stick closer than a brother. You go ahead and drink from this water this morning. You'll never thirst again. You'll never thirst. You'll drop your water pot. You'll drop all those other things. You'll drop the things you thought were important, the friends you thought were important, the things you thought you had to have. There's only one thing you have to have this morning, and it's the thirst quencher. And he's here, and he's calling out to you. and says, I know the devil has had a say in your life. I know he's tried to ruin your life. I know he's puts a lot of the things and sin and complexes, and it beats you down. But I'm here to say that's not the final say. I'm here to say you can still go free. Back in Genesis, and we're closing with this. Oh, man. When Jesus shows up, it changes everything. Satan had began his deceit and his lies in heaven. And soon they came down to earth. And there in the garden, there was a fall. Brother Brown says, the most horrible thing I can see is that day when them children sinned and God called them out behind the bushes. Throwed them old bloody aprons in there. There stood his heritage, his children standing there. Look at Eve around that beautiful body of hers is wrapped in old bloody sheepskin. The blood running down off her like that, dripping down her perfect body. There's Adam standing there, not a brute, a perfect made man. His muscles in his arms, muscles in his legs, shaggy hair around his shoulders, his dark beard hanging. A perfect man. That was the fall. In that moment, love projected, and the amen said, I'm going to have a final say on this matter. 
I will restore. I will pay the price. I will come down. There in the opening quote that we read, Brother Brown said it means that what he started out with in Genesis, he will finish in Revelation. Now, we didn't get nowhere near Revelation. Right now, we're somewhere in the Gospels. And we've skipped a lot. But he promised there as he sent them out of the garden. He said, I'm going to put enmity between thy seed. I'm going to send a redeemer. I'm going to send a savior. You know what it took? 4,000 years, Brother Joe. Lots of things went on. Lots of time for the devil to say, see, he ain't coming. See, you can't overcome. I took this one down to the grave. I took Abraham. I took Isaac. I took Joseph. I took Daniel. I took Ezekiel. They're all still held in paradise because they can't go into the presence of God because I still got a claim on them. He had a claim on me one time too. He said, I still got a claim on them. He ain't coming. Let's turn our cameras to another picture 4,000 years later. We're in Jerusalem. We're at a window and I hear a noise. What is it? A screaming mob hollering. Some poor man has come against it. We raise up the shade and we look out the window. And coming down through the streets comes an old rugged cross. Bouncing over the cobblestones. Bearing, rubbing out the bloody footprints of the bearer. He's going to Calvary. His back is beaten till his ribs is showing through. There he starts up the road, walking along as he's going. Look at them. I look all over his back and there's little red spots over that little old garment that was wove throughout without a seam. Look at those little red spots. What are they? Directly, they get bigger, bigger and bigger. And first thing, they all run into one big spot. Now I hear something again. Oh, we've come full circle. We've come full circle. What is it? There goes the second Adam. One brought death. Here goes the one bringing life. There's the one who took life out of the world. Here's the one who's bringing life in the world. The second Adam with his own blood hitting against his legs like that. The son of God going to Calvary to bear away our sins yonder. That through the shedding of blood to perfect a man or woman unconditionally. Oh, no man can come to me except the father draws him and all that comes. I'll give him everlasting life. Raise him up at the last day. Oh my, there it is. And as he goes up there, I can see a a little something stinging around him. Oh my, death. Buzzing at him like a bee as he's going yonder to be crucified. A bee springing on him saying, oh, I've got you now. I got you now. You'd think he'd learn by now he don't get the final say. As it went moving on, moving on, the bee of death was going to sting him. God himself made flesh in order to take away sin. God the Father and the Spirit could not take death, of course. He was supernatural, but he had to be made flesh. And there he was dragging the cross on and that bee stinging around him, death. But you know what? Insects, bees, you know, you raise a lot of honey in this country. If bee once stings, it leaves a stinger. It cannot sting no more. And God himself coming, unfolding himself out of the heavens was made flesh in the form of man. Took upon him the form of man and was going yonder to Calvary to anchor the sting of death. And death stung the Son of God on the way to Calvary. He anchored. Pulled the stinger out of death. 
and today death has no sting for the believer for we are perfected in Christ Jesus hallelujah there's the blood of Christ what it does the sting of death Paul when they was going to chop his head off that old bee buzzing around him he said death where is your sting grave where is your victory but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus oh my there's God's lamb that pulled the stinger out of death there's the one that was perfect when the father said this is my beloved son hear ye him there's the perfection that's what the law could not do the law was a foreshadow back yonder under the offering of sheep and goats was a shadow of the lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world when he come and was made flesh and anchored the stinger of death pulled it out where you and I can walk in the face of it. Death can't bother us. Hallelujah. It hasn't got any stinger. It can buzz. It can hum. It can threaten. It can make a bluff. But that's all it can do. Death has no more stinger. For every believer that's in Christ Jesus is perfected forever. Praise God. He begins to climb up Calvary's hill. Who is that? That's the amen. Who is that? That's the final say. And he gets up there and he's nailed to the cross. He's hanging there in agony. 4,000 years. But if God says it, it's on the way. If God promises it, he's got the final say. And he's hanging there. And the last words to be spoken to the Jewish dispensation. The last words before the veil is torn. The last words before Satan lost his grip on me. The last words, a scream of victory, Brother Joe. The last words, the final say. It is finished. What's finished? Sin is finished. Death is broken. Hell is broken. The grip he had on me is broken. Oh, but I've got you. That's not the final say. The final say was spoken by my Lord Jesus. It is finished. It is finished. It is finished. Sin is finished. Sickness is paid for. The sin debt is wiped away. It's finished this morning. It's broken this morning. Oh, he wasn't done. He went down to hell. He had something to say down there. He knocks on the door and the devil opens it. Oh, I know I got you now. I thought I had you when I killed this one. I thought I had you when I got Abel. I thought I had you when I got Joseph. I thought I had you then. Jesus snatches the keys off his belt like Brother Branham describes. Says he kicks him back into hell, shuts the door. It is finished. It is finished. He had one more stop to make. You know that claim he had over your life? That claim of sin? That claim that held you? That claim he had one more stop to make. He was stopping by your house too. But he stopped by paradise. And there was those ones sitting there, those that died under the blood of bulls and goats, believing and holding on. The ones that knew he was coming. Ezekiel said, there's the one. Abraham said, there he is. There he is. That's the one I saw there on the plains that day. There's the one we fellowship with. Here he is, church. He's walking in your midst. There he is in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, showing that he's the same in the last age as he was in the first age. There he is. And that claim was broke on their life. And they resurrected with him because it 
is finished. He had something to say about hell. He had something to say about paradise. And then let me tell you what. He had something to say about that stone they put over his grave. He had something to say about it. And I say this morning, he's still rolling stones. That stone that's held you bound. That stone of depression. That stone that's put you in grave clothes. He's got something to say about it today. And he says, roll the stone away. Come forth. Loose them and let them free. It is finished. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's finished this morning. Musicians, you can come. It is finished. That devil's trying to hold things over you. That's not the final say. The final say is it's finished. You're not finished. You're just getting started. You're just getting ready for a millennium. You're just getting ready for eternity. Oh, he's finished. Sickness is finished. Death is finished. Oh, death, where is your victory or sting or grave? They're both defeated. I love it. I can't help it. Paul's about to die. And he looks over at death and talks trash. Because he knew where he was. He knew where he stood. And you know what he knew? It's finished. He knew this executioner don't have the final say. That bee's buzzing around here and Paul goes... (laughs) Where's your stinger? You say, oh, he wouldn't have talked like that. Really? Brother Brown said David jumped on Goliath and said, how you like that, boy? So he'd say that. Paul said, where's your stinger? What what are you doing? You you think you're going to hurt me? He looks at that muddy grave. He says, grave. I can point you to a tomb up around Jerusalem. There's no victory. In Genesis, for the very first time, You see the word fear. I heard you and I was afraid. And from that point on, fear of death held humanity. Fear of the grave held humanity. But it's finished. Paul could sit there and look at it and go, Satan, the greatest weapon you ever had, the thing that you always said was your final say, Because that was what was held over humanity. This is the final say. Death, this is it. This is the end. This is where I got you. This is the final say. And Paul could say, this is it. This is all you got. For my God has turned you into nothing but a doorway. He has turned you nothing but a passageway to where I can enter into the glories of the Lord forever and ever and ever. Church, I don't know where you're standing. I don't know what you're fighting. I don't know what you're struggling with. But it is finished. That's the word of the Lord to you today. And that is the final say. Satan said he had you. But he said, I could still go free. God bless you, saints. Oh, he tried. He held the keys for a long time. But there was one coming. It took away our vision. We couldn't see truth. We couldn't see ourselves the way the Word saw us. We looked at the lies of the enemy. We were deprived of spiritual food. We were bound in sin and trespasses. But there was a Redeemer promised. There was a Savior promised. He said, you don't have the final say over this one. Brother Johnny, he didn't have the final say over this one. He didn't have the final say over you. He didn't have the final say over you.
what the final say? He said, give me those keys. Give me those keys. I got a group of people and they're about to go free.
the grave.